everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and every week during the academic year, I sit down with members of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interests, what they do, and things they've done. In this 11th edition of Monmouth College Conversations for the 2023-2024 school year, we'll visit with two members of the Monmouth College faculty, Joshua Genska, who's a professor of philosophy and religious studies, and Anne Maymary. She's also a professor and chair of the college's philosophy and religious studies departments. They're going to preview the 33rd annual Samuel M. Thompson Lecture, which will be held on November 2nd. The Samuel M. Thompson Memorial Lecture honors the legacy of the legendary Samuel M. Thompson. He graduated from Monmouth in 1924 and is arguably one of the college's greatest and most distinctive graduates. Professor Thompson taught philosophy at the college for 46 years after earning a doctorate from Princeton University in 1931. The lecture is made possible by Professor Thompson's two daughters, Jean Thompson Follett of the class of 51 and Roberta Thompson Fassett of the class of 1956, as well as by the college's Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies. This year's Thompson Lecture will be held on November 2nd. The talk will be given at 7 in the evening, and it will be held in the Pati Auditorium, which is on the first floor of the college's Center for Science and Business. This year's Thompson Lecture will be given by Braun Taylor. He's a professor at the University of Florida. For more information about this year's Samuel M. Thompson Memorial Lecture, check out the calendar listing or read the news story about it, both of which can be found by pointing your browser to monmouthcollege.edu news. I recently met with two members of MAMA's Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies to preview this year's Thompson Lecture, as well as catch up about what's been going on in one of the college's stellar departments. Joshua Genska, he is a professor of philosophy and religious studies, and Anne Maymary is a professor and chair of the college's philosophy and religious studies departments. I opened our conversation by asking Joshua to preview this year's Thompson Lecture. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us. Um, So I'm very pleased to announce that the speaker for this year's Thompson Lecture will be Dr. Bron Taylor. Dr. Taylor is an interdisciplinary environmental studies scholar whose work engages both the natural sciences and the humanities. He's quite prolific, and he's produced work on a number of subjects, but he's chiefly concerned with exploring the connections between religion, ecological ethics, and the quest for more sustainable ways of living. Uh, Dr. Taylor is a professor of religion and nature at the University of Florida. He's also a fellow of the Rachel Carson Center for Environment and Society in Munich, Germany. In 2017, he was recognized with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the International Society for the Study of Religion, Nature, and Culture. I should add that Dr. Taylor is an engaged scholar. He not only studies ecological ethics, he's also an activist who's been involved in numerous public-facing projects, and I might add, he has consistently written an enjoyable style that's accessible to non-specialists, which is something that is not to be taken for granted in our line of work. 
All of this makes him ideal for the Thompson Lecture, which is, of course, free, open to the public, and held for the benefit of those both within and beyond the Monmouth campus community. And you've been involved with several of the college's Thompson Lectures. And for those listening who might not know, tell us a little bit about Monmouth alumnus Samuel M. Thompson, and why is there a lecture with his name at the college? Um, so Dr. Thompson actually taught at Monmouth College. He um, was an alumnus. He graduated in 1924 with a degree in English. And then, as I like to say to Dean Wilhart, he came to his senses and did something infinitely more practical and went and got a PhD in philosophy and then returned to his alma mater. And um, he taught here for 46 years. He died in 1983. And his daughters, who are both Monmouth College graduates, uh, Jean Thompson Follett, class of 1951, and Roberta Thompson Fassett, class of 1956, endowed this lecture series in his honor. And by the way, they also have endowed an essay contest in the humanities. And they encouraged us to have what was once called the Sam Thompson Society and now Meaning of Life Lunch, a weekly philosophy discussion group. Joshua, as you mentioned, the Thompson Lecture is free and open to the public. And just so folks know, no prior knowledge of philosophy is required to attend. There isn't any book or article that folks need to read before coming over to the Patti Auditorium in the college's Center for Science and Business on the evening of November 2nd. And as you said, the speaker is a very accessible one. Yes, absolutely. All are welcome. And he's also somebody whose background, drawing both from the humanities and the natural sciences, I hope will will interest uh, folks across departmental and disciplinary divides. Um, so he's, he's, he's a really interesting and engaging speaker. And um, at Monmouth, he'll share some of his recent research regarding changing religious orientations and how those changes might shape our future relationships with the environment, both at institutional and individual levels. And the Thompson Lecture is obviously one of the highlights of the college's departments of philosophy and religious studies throughout the school year. Tell us a little bit more about the departments. What kind of courses are offered and why might a student be interested in those disciplines? I think the lecture series itself might help to answer that question. This is our 33rd lecture. Um, I was so pleased to find out when I got here, I, I I helped to organize the lecture in 2004 by Sandra Harding, who does work on global studies and gender and race in science. But looking back to the lectures before I was involved, I saw John Salas, who's still a prolific writer. Um, he gave the lecture in 1989-90, and he was my dissertation director, Jeffner Allen at SUNY Binghamton. He was her dissertation director. So I've been saying for, to, to a lot of people for months now that I think all roads lead to Monmouth. I came to Monmouth to find out about John Salas, who was my dissertation director's dissertation director, and here I am. But you know, we talk about students going abroad, um, but sometimes the best philosophers like Socrates didn't travel anywhere physically, but traveled far and wide conceptually. So the Thompson lectures bring the world to Monmouth, but they help our students think about things that maybe they weren't even aware existed. And I think our disciplines do that. So somebody can come and take a course um, about 
Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Soul. It's about the alchemical underpinnings of the Harry Potter series. And that takes us back to a history of Western philosophy and its um, antecedents and influences in the, the Mediterranean world and the Asian world. Um, we have a history of philosophy series, and that's something that is unusual in many American philosophy departments, but we owe that to Samuel Thompson. So to see philosophy not as something disembodied, a series of arguments, but a way of living in the world and how one's cultural surroundings shape how one thinks about the world. But I'm just getting ready to teach some Aristotle in my classical and medieval philosophy class, and he says, all people desire to know. Human beings, we're a curious lot. And I think that's what draws people to philosophy and religious studies. And then the world opens, and we're, we're proud when that happens. You're listening to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Office of Communications and Marketing. I'm talking to Monmouth professors Joshua Genska and Anne Maymary of the college's Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies. Before we get back to our conversation, a reminder to stop by the college's Lynn G. Everett Gallery if you are around or in the Maple City. That's because there's a fantastic exhibit by artist Jesse Howard of Chicago. It's called American Questions, No Answers, and it's an absolutely stunning collection of about two dozen drawings that are beautiful jarring and challenging. The exhibit will be open through November 3rd in the Everett Gallery, and that's on the second floor of the Hughes Library. It's an exhibit you will not only appreciate, but not easily forget. Now let's get back to my conversation with Monmouth professors Joshua Genska and Anne Maymary of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies. I asked Joshua to talk about how taking courses in philosophy and religious studies benefit all Monmouth students and also strengthen their Monmouth degree. Across time and culture, religion has provided space to think about ultimate meanings, uh, as well as a space to sometimes challenge what it means to think about meaning in the first place. So being a religious studies scholar, is it's quite exciting to me because I get to study all sorts of radically diverse responses to the big, scary, and the wonderful questions in life. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? So whatever one's personal relationship with religion is or isn't, I think it's exceedingly valuable to learn how various cultures and individuals have thought about, and moreover, how they felt these questions. In religious studies class, you'll be asked to grapple with how diverse the human experience really is, but you'll also be asked to consider your own place in all of this, and I think that's something valuable for all of us, whatever our backgrounds are, our goals are, the paths that we now walk are. So those are some of the reasons I would encourage students from any major to check out a religious studies class. It's my hope that we'll both learn something from the encounter. And you've probably seen a lot of students who didn't expect a, a benefit from a philosophy or religious studies class. Maybe they were taking it just to fulfill a requirement. They come out on the other end changed. I think that that's true oftentimes. I think in all my years here, I've had only one student who came knowing he wanted to be a philosophy major. And that's partly because um, students don't know anything about philosophy or religious studies unless they go to a particular kind of, of school. Um, and then the requirement that you must take a course in this discipline or that one, they walk in oftentimes saying, okay, something to check off my list. 
But then by the end of the semester, they're starting to think about the world and themselves in ways that they hadn't um, thought about before. So one thing we talk about in the first year seminar is first realizing that something is there, opening a door that you hadn't known existed, and then realizing you have an interest that you didn't know you had, and then realizing that you have potential to realize. And when you realize your potential, you're making yourself into a different kind of person than you imagined possible. Um, I think part of what we're doing here is thinking about what does it mean to be human beings together in the world, um, along with our non-human relations, and thinking about how we can make the world a more livable place for everyone. So I think one thing that philosophy and religious studies courses do is to remind us that we are human beings first, not a brand, not a product. What we are is people trying to figure out how to live the best life for ourselves and to make that possible for others as well. And so one fun thing makes students groan sometimes is when I'm able to point back to the first year seminar. Do you remember when you read this book? And here's a philosopher talking about that very thing. This is about becoming learners over a lifetime, and the becoming never stops. It isn't like we get to the end point and say, now we have become learners and we're all done. Every time you open another door and realize something new and then realize that potential, you're constantly becoming. So shifting from being done and saying, I have, you know, I can put this crown on now, to how do I live an entire lifetime? And if they can leave here and come back in 10 years, and sometimes they do, um, and talk to me about that, it just is, is so wonderful. I heard from two students this summer out of the blue who I had maybe, mm, they probably graduated more than 10 years ago. And they were talking to me about some stuff that happened in the first year seminar. It was all very philosophical stuff, surprise. And what a nice surprise that was for me. So sometimes you don't even see how good it is for students until 10 years later. And then they come back and let you know that they're still thinking about their lives as responsible human beings. Of course, teaching is just one of the requirements of a Monmouth faculty member. Monmouth faculty also get time or spend time on research. Talk a little bit about your all's area of expertise. What do you all spend your time outside of your classwork, preparing for class, working with students, thinking about researching, reading, writing about? Joshua, I'll start with you on that one. Thank you. Um, well, I, I would have to say that my areas of research can be sort of split into three different major categories. Um, one of the central threads throughout all of my research has been a, an interest in looking at how extreme experiences, that is what we call limit experiences, that is to say experiences that go beyond in some way, shape, or form um, what we think of our everyday experiences of, of God or the supernatural or um, spirits, um, anything in that direction, show up and are narrated across cultures. So um, in, in the study of religion, we call this comparative mysticism. Um, so that, that's been a real... Um, real interest of mine and I've worked both in the early modern period a little bit in the medieval period and and also on contemporary material that is how t- people tell stories about experiences that they can't quite seem to to understand in terms of their the culture that they're coming
coming from. Um, so what happens prior to a religion uh, becoming an institutionalized religion? I'm really interested in those experiences. Um, I'm also quite interested in the ways in which religion and, and spirituality more generally intersect with both uh, how we imagine the, the more than human world, that is to say, how we imagine animals and nature, um, the way that we imagine and also interact with that. And um, my last area of sort of interest is, is uh, the intersection between counterculture and religions. Religions are often thought of as, um, or often thought of as authoritative or institutional discourses, but I'm really interested in what happens at the fringes and ways in which um, the vocabularies and practices of religion have been used to imagine um, alternative identities and alternative communities uh, throughout time. And what about you? You know, I'm one of those people who came through the back door to philosophy, right? So I was a chemistry major in college, and um, the physical chemist also had a Morris dancing group, which is an old English dance. And I could not tell Dr. Zimmerman I don't want to do chemistry anymore because I loved the Morris dancing so much, and he would have been so disappointed. And so sometimes we talk to our students as if they have to know today what they're going to be doing in 20 years. I can look back and see how I got to philosophy. You couldn't at 18 have gotten it out of me. But one thing that, that Morris dancing did, this old English dance, which is passed on by word of mouth, it got me interested in oral culture, which eventually led me to study Plato and Musiki, the arts of the muses. And I think that there's a, a misconception that Plato hates philosophy when he's really a kick-butt philosopher. <laughs> a poet, excuse me, hates poetry, but he's really a kick-butt poet. Um, but before I got there, um, I knew I was a women's studies minor in college. I knew I wanted to do something with feminism and philosophy of race and racism and post-colonial studies in college. So I got to my PhD program in philosophy, interpretation, and culture, and culture, um, sort of through that back door again. It could have been any number of disciplines, but I found an advisor who was strong in feminist philosophy and post-colonial studies. And so I ended up in the discipline of philosophy by accident. And I'm embarrassed to say that my dissertation, looking back on it after all these years, was serious Plato abuse. <laughs> and so now I'm trying to make up for that. So I'm looking at Plato through a, through a lens of, of oral culture, the importance of the, the arts of the muses. I'm also... Um, as I've already mentioned, I'm interested in Harry Potter, and I have edited a collection called The Alchemical Harry Potter from McFarland Press. Um, and J.K. Rowling talked about having alchemy as the underlying logic of the book, so a collection of terrific essays, including Tammy Rankin and Isaac Willis and Sean Palsgrove, who are all Monmouth College graduates, so I'm very proud of them. Right now, I'm working on a book called Politeia, Essays in Honor of Tony Price, who was one of my uh, faculty advisors in graduate school. He's teaching at SUNY Binghamton. He's 85 years old. He's going strong, and he's also um, in charge of the Society for Ancient Greek Philosophy, so I'm very pleased to have this book. It's probably going to be published in the spring by SUNY Press, and I'm still working on a collection of my own essays on Plato and Musiki. That's Professors Anne May Mary and Joshua Genska of the Monmouth Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies. Once again, this year's Samuel M. Thompson Memorial Lecture will be held on November 2nd. The talk it will be given at 7 in the evening, and it will be held in the Patti Auditorium, which again is on the first floor of the College's Center for Science and Business. 
The lecture this year will be given by Bron Taylor. He's a professor at the University of Florida, and it promises to be another great evening in celebration of the Monmouth Magic. For more information about this year's Thompson Lecture, once again, you can check it out on the calendar listing on the college's website, or you can read a news story about it by Monmouth's very own Barry McNamara. Both of those can be found by pointing your internet browser to monmouthcollege.edu slash news. That's a wrap on this 11th episode of Monmouth College Conversations for the 2023-2024 school year. Tell us what you think or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put conversation in the subject line. Tell our next conversation. This is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. 